Well, welcome back, or welcome to the first time to JK Moto. Moto. Uh, we're live here in Austin, Texas. I'm Easton. I'm Cole. And we're here to tell you about our experience at COTA, Circuit of the Americas. Yesterday, at one point, I was in six. Great trip. A little bit hot. It was a little warm. Lots of sun. Uh, you might be able to tell. I don't know if it's <laughs> going to come across the screen, but we got some sun. Uh, it was, what, cloudy the first day, actually, on Friday? Yeah, you had rain, pretending it was going to rain all day. Never never yeah. quite happened. Well, we got some sprinkles. Some there were a couple sprinkles, sprinkles, but not enough to really affect. The... The, the guys on the bikes didn't care, so we I had a hard time complaining about it. <laughs> and then... Saturday was, well, it started out cloudy, which was confusing because the weather app said it was going to not do that. And then it got very warm, about 90, 90 to 95, sunny. And then today was um, windy in the morning, right? Yeah, windy in the morning. It and cool. Was actually, actually felt cold at times sitting in the stands, which I don't think anybody was expecting that was there. <laughs> no, for it to be. No. Oh, a few people cold. had jackets, but for the most part, I think everyone was kind of, kind of shivering. Yeah, dressed yeah. like my friend yeah. here. Yeah, ready for the the hot Texas weather that <laughs> did show up eventually, but it took a minute. As we mentioned earlier, I've been to Coda. This was my third trip in a row. All right. Uh, what did you think? Well, so this is my first time out there. So I have to say, thank you, thank you for taking me out there, bringing Absolutely. me down here, and, and making me do it. I've been to the Daytona 500. It's probably the biggest racing event I've been to. And then we went to a Moto America race last year. I don't want to break your heart here, um, but there are some cons, I would say, kind of. Uh, I'll start off by saying if you haven't been to a big motorcycle event or motorsports event period like that, find one somewhere and go do it because the experience is worth the money uh, and absolutely worth being in there in person. The cons that I wanted to talk about are just simply what we've kind of been talking about all weekend, which is the difference between watching from your couch at home right. and being there at the track. It is much easier as you and I both said all weekend, for any sports sporting event, but especially for racing, I think, on a non-circle track or drag strip anyway, to watch from your couch. Right. Because someone else is taking care of where your eyes go, and they can follow them. Telling you the what around. to think. And telling you what to think. Yeah, someone else is there, but they're commentating on it. So I will say that. Uh, that's like the one con I think I would really put down is just the fact that it's difficult to follow along. So you can see the TVs, but they're so far away that you can't super see them. Right. You can hear the commentating, but it's a little different than they have different commentators, I think, for on TV versus yeah. Um, live. I'm gonna, I'm gonna step in here and take a little hit at Coda. I mentioned last week how beautiful the facility is. Mm -hmm. I stand by that. And you I now yep. you now agree. We have a pole, for example. There's a large pole. Mm -hmm. In the middle of the track, that okay. shows you timing, uh, what lap we're on, mm -hmm. what position the bikes are in. Yeah, the one through ten, who's yeah. in which position. Shows yeah. your top ten. Um, Coda, you got to do better. Our poll didn't work until Sunday. We, yeah. we missed the Friday. We missed the Saturday. The poll didn't start working until Sunday, but it was still limited because it gave us our top ten riders, but it didn't tell us what lap we were on. It didn't tell us. It had uh, the, the time up there rather than 
Yeah, had the the anything like lap times. I don't I don't know what they would normally have out there. For the normally, race. they would show maybe a time to the next event or in right. between rounds. Okay. Just to point out that there are giant TV screens that are playing the live feed, even though they're giant TV screens. Depending on where you're sitting, you might need some binoculars to actually read them to yeah. be able to see, you know, who's crashed, who's in what position, and something that a lot of people don't realize in racing and. Uh, from my background, going to like NASCAR events back in the day, a NASCAR event is different than a MotoGP event in the way that typically at a MotoGP event, you're, you don't get a lot of lapped riders. That's not common. It's more common in a Moto America, but it's not common in MotoGP to have people get lapped. In NASCAR, mm -hmm. depending on what track you go to, some of those tracks, they're lapping cars after the second lap. Right, because it's such a small track that they're able to... Yeah, depending on what it yeah. is. So yeah. that pull is super important because if you're following the number of a driver... Never thought about that. Yeah, <laughs> once that race starts, it's just a mess of cars going around a track. Yeah. MotoGP is easier to follow than that, but I think it was a realization to you today or Friday, mm -hmm. but it's a we're running roughly... Two plus minute lap times mm -hmm. on a motorcycle. When you watch it on TV, the cameras follow the lead rider. They shuffle back through the other riders. You're always watching a bike on the screen. When you're in the fan, in the stands, and you're stuck in one spot, your the bikes literally go by. It's two minutes before that group comes by again. Yep. And so you're you can't see everything else that's going on the track. And there's passes happening. There's crashes happening. There's all those things. I think that was the the biggest was um, the fact that, uh, well, in the first lap or two, um, if you haven't seen the race, there's going to be some spoilers in here. I just <laughs> want to put that out. So go watch the race and then come back and get what we think about it. But yeah, there's a, that wreck right off the beginning that was over. I don't even remember what turn. I don't know what turn because we didn't watch it. Right. We watched it, but we didn't watch it, right? And that was difficult because I couldn't see the TV well enough to tell who it was right. and we were both looking at each other like who who was that right yep. and the only thing we had was watching the poll i mean like okay jorge martin's number isn't up there anymore neither is alex marquez okay that must have been who wrecked but you don't get that up close and personal that you get on we TV. could tell a color of a bike yeah so that was narrowing it down yeah you, I, <laughs> I could tell that it was purple and white so one of four ducatis right um but that was through the tv you can't i couldn't tell you that right seeing out live i guess or the naked eye yeah so going so going back coda it would have been helpful to have that poll working additionally they didn't have i don't mean to be bagging on coda because they do a great <laughs> job the events that i've been there before they also have the live broadcast being played through speakers from the time you get there to the time you leave and we didn't get those speakers up and running until sunday yeah yeah friday was a very like first thing in the morning before any of the practices started that was strange Yep. walking into they open the gates and it's quiet there's none of the booths have started their music up yet there's no one on the speaker being like yep. hey you know welcome to certain america these are the things we got for us so it wasn't until today sunday that they finally had like their ads for the weekend playing on the tv and i told you that you know we were just talking about that at the restaurant or whatever and that was that was so weird to me because at first i thought it was live and then no it was an ad for everything you could do this weekend right and it didn't start until you're already sitting down to watch the last race of the day yeah, and I don't I don't know what the numbers are, but just for information, we're probably sitting in the if not the if not the most populated section. 
Yeah, besides maybe the yeah. the main grandstands would be I mean, We're sitting at turn fifteen. If you look at a map, you can see what that looks like. But turn turn fifteen is I believe the best place to sit because there's you can see all the way back into turn eleven, turn twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of action that happens there, so it's, it's a good place the, to sit. You can see the straight. You can see them come. Uh, if you're looking far out, you'll see them come over the out of that turn right before the straight, down, and then over the hill. And then you can see that whole thing, which I guess that'll lead me into the pros of watching. is gives you a much better feel being there than you ever get on TV, what they're mm -hmm. actually going through. In both the wow factor and in a little bit of less wow. So I'll say, now maybe just because we were far away, but those bikes looked so much smaller than I expected. I, I kept having to remind myself that these are just motorcycles. Like, yeah, they've got all this aero on them. Right. But I only ever see them on TV. They're always next to the riders, which we talk about all the time, are not big guys. Right. So they look like these massive bikes. And then I saw them, and I was like, that's just a standard-sized motorcycle. And I had to remind myself, that, well, yeah, that's <laughs> what it is. That's what it should be. So they looked smaller than I imagined them looking. In parts of the track, they looked a little slower, uh, which was refreshing. For, right. for me, as a track rider track goer watching some of the videos that we've put right. out afterward uh that was nice to see that okay it's not just us that look too slow it's just what it looks like from not on a tv yeah and since i'm on a roll for giving people pointers whether it's coda or whoever it is moto gp or moto 2 or moto 3 basically every team has two bikes whether you're a factory rider whether you're a satellite rider think i know where you're going with <laughs> you have two bikes so don't make them identical mm -hmm. um let's take a shout out to spoiler alert today's winner yeah alex renz he has a teammate mm -hmm. in his satellite team alex renz his teammates with takanakagami their bikes look absolutely different total different sponsors yeah, total different. different so Which, we have honda asia sponsoring nakagami and we have castrol gtx i'm sure i'm missing a lot of sponsors but um those big one those bikes look completely different throughout everybody else darren bender mm -hmm. or excuse me brad bender yeah. okay brad bender and jack miller yeah they both ride ktms they have the identical leathers they have slight differences probably some drastic dis differences in their helmets, but from the stands, I can't tell. I can't I, see that. I could that. not tell at all. The only way I knew is if I looked at the pole, I was the, like, okay, Jackson fifth, count bikes, one, two, three, four. <laughs> there he is, that one's Jack. The next time he comes around though, I had to do it every time. It wasn't like a, yeah, I've got him now. Because you're just, you're too far away. Yep, and that's and that's true. That's the I Ducatis, the factory Ducatis, the Lenovo team, their mm -hmm. bikes look identical. They're wearing red leathers. They have similar helmets. Yeah, um, I think the, so the easiest for me to tell apart would be the Aprilias, the factory Aprilias, the Aprilia RNF, that their name, mm -hmm. RNF team, could barely tell them apart. But factory Aprilias, I could tell apart because their numbers were different colors. They're big, bold numbers on both bikes. Right. One was orange, one was pink. Yep. I could tell those apart. Uh, same thing with the VR46 Mooney guys. Mm -hmm. I could see their numbers because they were bold enough, but they weren't different colors, which made it difficult. And the only other one were the HRC Repsol. because. John Muir's got that bright yellow Rossi-esque. Just going to throw that out there. But I, still, these are things These are things that me and you may or may not know. For the casual observer that's just showing up, let's say buy a $20, you know, uh, what are those called? The the book. Oh, yeah, the brochure. The Yeah, the $20 track map brochure 
welcome yeah i don't even know what directory <laughs> directory. directory i guess is good yeah it, it shows it shows the writers in there but still it's just hard to tell apart there's some simple things that could be done i think to make that easier now granted on tv they're telling you like i said you're being trained because the announcer's going here we've got joanne mirror going mm -hmm. through corner eight whatever but live that's a difference you need to you need to be knowledgeable about the sport to be able to pick up on those things. Otherwise, just a bunch of bikes going around in a yeah. circle. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I watched two rows in front of us to be like, "Now who is that?" And they're flipping through their book, and I'm looking at the book, and I'm like, "Man, maybe I, you know, maybe I had the book because I don't remember everyone's number off the top yeah. of my head." But then I was looking down, I'm like, "Book's not going to help." Yeah. <laughs> like, one, <laughs> I can pull it up on my phone. I have the app, and then two, it's not going to help because you're still not going to be able to see. Yeah, right. that, that is something that was kind of kind of interesting. And that's the other thing too, I guess, is which we already kind of touched on. But yeah, having to watch, you know, I had the timing on my phone. You had the live race on your phone, right. especially during during qualifying, whatnot, when they didn't have any of the announcers up and the TV wasn't even on that the first day for free practice. I think. Right, was TV on. wasn't. So you're sitting there, you're like, yeah, okay, I'm watching bikes go around, which is great. But what's the difference between that and a normal motorsports event if I don't know any of the information? Right. Right. And we're talking a world-class event here. Pretty sure, like, I don't want to just bag on Coda, but it feels like they didn't quite step up their game like they should have. Yeah. Maybe we should have pulled somebody out of a booth and said, hey, we need get it, it fixed. Get this fixed. And we didn't. Yeah. Maybe they were unaware of the problem until Sunday. but That's not to, to negate, though, again, the, the experience. That, that was awesome. One, not just one day. That's the first time I've been for three days of going right. to the same place and watching the same thing, but it, it building up. The sprint race makes it awesome. Right. Like that's, Love the sprint race. That's sweet. It makes Saturday is jam-packed. You get there, gates open at 8.30. You're there till 5, and that is all day. All the practices in the morning for Moto2, Moto3, like, okay, not so much, but then you got qualifying yep. and the race, and, like, very full day, very good. And I would say, uh, as, as somebody who's been there three years in a row, I don't know if it's to do with sprint race. I don't know if it's to do with popularity of the sport growing or what it is, but definitely more people and absolutely noticeable different numbers um, on Saturday. Yeah, I, that was, a, and I, I told you this while we were there, but that was refreshing uh, to see how many people were there on Friday and on Saturday, right. especially. Today, it's about what I expected. It's typical. Friday and Saturday were quite a few people. Yeah, when you, when you come to... When you go to a code event, you can pretty much expect, or I've always been able to expect, Fridays, you sit wherever you want. It doesn't really matter where you buy your seat. You can walk around. You can sit anywhere you want. Hell, I think if you have general admission, you can still get in the seats. Real good. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not a lot of people. The stands look pretty empty on a Friday. Yep. Saturday, they start trickling in. And then Sunday, uh, we talked about this. People pay for these tickets. <laughs> People pay for these tickets. They they don't take advantage of seeing what arguably, well, I'm going to get into that in one second, but arguably Moto3 is the best race to watch um, live. It's the best to watch on TV, arguably, as well. We had we had some nice fans uh, right next to us in the stands today, decked out Jack Miller, shirts, hats, you know, underwear, earrings, the whole works. And they didn't show up until three minutes before. I didn't see the underwear. Just <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. They didn't show up till three minutes before the main MotoGP event. Yeah, were those the same ones that left halfway through the race to get uh, drinks and then yeah. came back with three minutes left? Yep. Yeah, and then it amazed me. They sure beat us out of there afterwards, yeah. also. Yeah, and then it ends and they're gone. Yes, yeah, so I think they watched a total of five minutes actually in their seats. Now, yeah. Maybe they were watching the TV down. Maybe, you know, maybe it's better down there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but but if you're paying to go and and watch it live. 
go watch it live yeah. be there enjoy it right yeah. that's why you're there so i mean not to reference the sunburns again but try to watch every yeah, bring, minute uh, long sleeves no that's a, <laughs> i guess that's a good thing if you're in the grandstands you're not allowed to have your umbrella out while there are bikes on the track you can bring an umbrella but don't be thinking that's going to save you from the sun just a quick, helpful hint there that we found. Right. Out. So now to to bring that back, uh, the, when the Moto Three race, so the the sprint race, the only negative of it, the sprint race spoiled the spoiled the surprise because as Easton being there his first time, I kept telling him, yeah, qualifying's cool, but wait till these guys start fighting for position in front of you. Right. I mean that's amazing to see from above like that. Um, the sprint race let the cat out of the bag on Saturday of yeah. what to kind of expect. Which I I noticed that even on TV. Right when this this season is the first season of the sprint race, you get up on Saturday and you're which is why I kinda talked to you about the other the day the other day, um, about how it might ruin the sport in a long term aspect. It's great for it now, but it might ruin it in the long term. It's just because you you get up on Saturday, you watch qualifying. And then you watch the sprint race, and then you're like, eh, the race tomorrow is like, you know, twice as long. Right. I don't really have time for that. I already took my whole Saturday. I'll just skip it and catch the highlights later. And I think it's awesome because it does jam-pack Saturday. It gives you so much stuff to watch. And it's a whole different ball game because it's shorter. you got to fight more. Right. Like it, it, It's action-packed the entire time. There's no long game of saving tires or saving fuel or right. Fuel mapping, whatever it might be, it's just get out there and get it done, which is sweet. That's what you want. But it kind of, like you said, spoils the race the next day. Yeah. So before the Moto3 race came out, I leaned over to Easton and I said, this is the good one. Yeah. Was it? What do you think? You've told me this before. Because uh, as you said before, on TV also. It's hard for me to agree with you. But I know why you say it. And I agree with why you say it. However... I haven't spent enough time, and this kind of changed my mind. I'm probably going to dig into it more, but I haven't spent enough time investing in the riders of Moto3, and so there's no investment there for there's me. There's no storylines. Yeah. So I'm watching. I'm like, yeah, no, it's sweet watching the action, but there's no, like, I don't know who this guy is. Like, right. why do I care who wins? I don't even – he comes around three times before I finally realize, like, oh, that's the same guy in second place. He's right. been trying to battle, you know, whatever it might be. So without investment, it was difficult to get super hooked on it. And super latched, but the action's definitely there. And you're definitely right about them being they're always right next to each other. And it's very, very clear that they have to know when and how to pass and take a different line to make yep. a pass rather than just like watching Alex Renz chase this Ducati. He comes in heavy on the brakes, right? Into the turn, and you're like, Man, he's gonna make that pass, and then like not quite like, oh well, maybe he'll get him into the next turn. Ducati's gone. Right. Right? Just power off the bat, goes, gone. You don't see that in Moto three. You don't really see it in Moto Two either. They're equal. If however they come out of the corner, unless they're taking different lines, that's how they stay, and that does definitely make it a lot better and it keeps that group closer right. together. We got to part. see in that Moto Three race. No spoilers here because I won't mention any names, but we got to see some lead changes towards the end mm -hmm. uh, in the in corner fifteen. Yep, right in front of yep. us. That was awesome. Back and forth was very. Very cool to see. I, I was glad to see the fans were paying enough attention at that point as well that they recognized that as a lead change and mm -hmm. and got into it. Yeah, that was nice. The only downfall of that, and this is just kind of, again, being live versus on the couch, is you see a lead change right in front of you on the last lap, and then they disappear. And, and like, it, man, what happened? You got to like watch the TV, but you can barely see the TV, and you're like, is he going to, is he going to, and you're like, 
which may be better because it, it gets you more on the edge, right? Because right. you're watching the TV trying to figure out what it's saying and hoping that it's saying what you're saying. Yeah, this is not a big downfall, but it was just kind of funny. And that reminded me of, you said the fans getting into it. There are times when people would wreck and they would show it for half a second on the TV, but everyone's watching the race because the bikes are coming around the corner, right? And then they show the replay. And I had caught the wreck for whatever reason. This happened right. like two or three times. I had caught the wreck. And then they play this replay, and all the fans are like, ooh. And I was like, is there another wreck? Did I miss <laughs> yeah. something, right? How, and I'm, how many crashes? I'm searching around, and I'm like, I don't see anything else. Like, what's, what else is going on? And then I look, and I see the replay in the corner. I'm like, ah, okay, okay. Yep. So it's definitely different. It's awesome to go. There's a couple of things I wish MotoGP would do different. I, we, we already went over Coda. Get that out of there. The Hold biggest on, I've thing. I've got more Coda. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think we could go on for a while, but... <laughs> Uh, now, the biggest thing for me is just the, and I don't know if this is just because it's a world-class event, these people aren't from America, um, and that's not a hit at them or anything like that, but why don't I get to see the riders? You know, why can't I, and I, we didn't have VIP, we didn't have the pit passes or anything like that, right. so I don't know if that gets you a little more, but from what we've heard, MotoGP is super protected of, of their riders, which... If Coda's, or if is listening at some point... Uh, mm -hmm. let's talk about that a little bit because MotoGP has tried to address that uh, this year more than any other year. They've tried to address that. They've tried to say we need to we need to put the riders out in front of the fans. We need to. So this is what this looks like in the real world. And some of you, I'm sure, have seen that on TV. But they have a trailer connected to a semi in this case, mm -hmm. and they put all the MotoGP riders on it, mm -hmm. and they drive them around the track. I have my preferred seats for reasons because I can see more and all those kind of things. But that driver's this big. Yeah. Um, on his motorcycle when he goes by, mm -hmm. they put twenty-five guys on a semi-trailer and then someone interviews them as they drive around the track. Yeah, you want to talk about not being able to tell who someone is on a bike? <laughs> put them all in the back of a not an open like glass wall. No, it was like a dump trailer almost. Yeah. Like you could barely see their heads over the top, and they're. 500 feet away from you like yeah and that that's great i understand what they're trying to do but MotoGP, if you're trying to let us see them i don't know if that's helping and in fact there's a big picture on i don't know if this is true at every track in europe but for this one they know you can't see them because there's a there's a picture on the side of the semi-trailer of them of them <laughs> bigger to show you who's on the trailer allegedly and, well, and I'll say, I think the other thing I noticed, and this isn't a hit at the writers because I fully understand, uh, there were a couple of them that were like sitting back there just kind of chatting with each other in the back of the trailer, like yeah. poking and joking by themselves, it's which... Waiting for it to end. Yeah, which I fully understand because you're being paraded around in the back of this trailer 300 feet away, like they can't see you or me waving at them, right? Yeah. They can, yeah, sure, they can tell if the whole crowd gets on their feet and whatnot, but... They don't get that. I think you could do. I think the up close and personal they get with the uh, with the corner workers, you know, when they're coming through at the end and they give some of them high fives. That's way more, yeah. way more on both ends. So we have a thought to fix this. We have a thought we talked about earlier to fix this. I'm going to bring up. Okay. Not remember. Hold that thought. Okay. I do want to point out that as I bash on this semi trailer, there was a young girl with her dad allegedly that had a sign that said. You know, they were down up front and they had mm -hmm. a sign, something Viva Miller. 
uh, Viva Jack Miller, you yeah. know, they were, mm -hmm. she was a fan of Jack Miller's or her dad was, and they went down there close to the fence and they held a sign up as this semi-trailer got come by. Uh, Jack did see it. Jack acknowledged it and he looked and he gave her a thumbs up and she was giggling and it made her month, her year. Right. She'll tell people for years, probably about the time Jack Miller gave her a thumbs up at the MotoGP race. Mm -hmm. And I've seen multiple people from the stands come and like congratulate her on getting that thumbs up from Jack Miller. And it sounds silly, but just little things like that. You know what I think would be better? Sorry to interrupt, yeah. but uh, so you go to a baseball game, someone hits a foul ball and you're up in the stands and you catch it. You get to keep that? Yeah. Yeah, you get to keep it, yeah. right? Or you go to... A monster truck rally and random company that's sponsoring that is out there with their t-shirt cannon yep. shooting t-shirts why can't the moto gp guys come out and you know before like first thing in the morning for whatever fans and i they probably want to come to our section that's fine or from the truck right right they're shooting so, so you get something a little more than just a thumbs up which is awesome great great jack especially from jack yeah good job we, jack we love jack he's a super <laughs> fan guy love that that's awesome but I think you could do a little more. That's all. I'm so doing. we solved this problem earlier, if you recall. I'm not remembering. Okay, I'll bring you. I'll yeah. bring you back up to speed. Hit it up. We have a lot of injured riders. I'm remembering now. Yeah, we yeah. have a lot of injured riders in <laughs> MotoGP. Yep. Let's not even pick on any of them. Okay, we're picking on one of them. So injured riders, they still get paid. As mm -hmm. far as I know, they're sitting at the house getting paid. You know, they've got those things negotiated in the contract. Now, I'm not suggesting that Paul Aspargo shows up with a wired-together jaw to MotoGP, but why can't Mark Bastianini and some of these other riders, why not come in and sell bikes? That's what, yeah. At the end of the day, that's what we're doing. Yeah, We're trying absolutely. to sell motorcycles. That's why we have a sport. Yeah, we were talking about at the Alpen Stars booth, they had Garrett Gerloff this weekend, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah. We know who that is. Thanks, Garrett. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you end up listening, uh, that was great to meet you. But how many people at Coda knew who Gary, Gary Gerloff was? So he is a Texas boy. boy. Okay, yeah. So I think most actual motorcycle fans knew of him, potentially, at least locals. Local Hope so. Texas. Hope so. Hope so. But realistically, unfortunately, our, our, we have a dying sport. We talk about that, right? That's mm -hmm. one of the reasons we started this podcast was purely to do our part, I think, yeah, try to, to, help to try out. and grow the sport a little bit. And because of that, World Superbike is even less known than MotoGP. I'll right. say it again on here. I've told you before. I talk about MotoGP at work or with my friends, whatever. They're like, what is MotoGP? I'm like, oh, it's motorcycle racing. They're like, oh, okay. I don't really care. I'm like, well, yeah, do you know who Mark Marquez is? You know, you have to have seen him. Right. He's the top rider today, arguably. And they're like, no, never heard of Mark, Mark Marquez. I'm like, uh, okay, what about Valentina Rossi? They're like, yeah, that kind of strikes a bell. That's Valentina Rossi, right? In our world, that is the guy, has been the guy for the past what, 20 years probably, at yeah. least. The Michael Jordan, the John Elway. Yeah. The... Right? I mean, he's the doctor. Yeah. VR46, he's arguably the greatest MotoGP racer of all time as far as stats go and whatever else, and he's, and he's built himself an empire in the sport. So anyone in the sport knows, knows that name. And that's a name that people outside of the sport barely recognize. He hasn't raced for a year and a half now. Yep. A full season went by with no Rossi in it, 
and yeah, his teammates out there, his, his team is still out there. Guys trained by him are still out there, but he's not there anymore. So people don't know. I guarantee you mention anything other than Mark Marquez, they're going to have no idea. I forgot where I was going with that, but I'll bring it back. Garrett Gerloff. Yeah, Garrett Gerloff, right? I was, <laughs> yeah, I was about to say no offense to him, but how many more, how much more Alpen Stars gear would you sell if you had Mark Marquez at that tent? Right, the announcer's sitting there, like you said, every time the line kind of died down. He's handing out free autographs on a poster. This is a, a world superbike racer. It's not like he's some small town, I race for where or I race for. Uh, the guy's a professional, guy doing it for a living. Yeah, for BMW, right? Bad mother. Sponsored by Alpen Stars. But realistically, how many more would you sell if an A. or I think he's, yeah, he's Alpen Stars also. I believe so. Um, or Mark Marquez was there doing that. And why can't they be? Yeah, but just just walk around the, just walk around the paddock, sign autographs, and shake hands. Yeah, you're not racing now. If you're, let, let's pick on Mark a little bit. Okay, sure. Media wise, I'm ready. Media wise, he has a broken thumb. Yeah, could be more. We don't know. We if don't you know. know. Please let us know. <laughs> <laughs> We're but, trying to figure it out. But allegedly, he has a broken thumb. How can you? Not just travel with your team, support your team, be there for your team, walk around and and just promote Honda, sell Hondas. That's what your job is. Absolutely. And they were planning on driving there anyway, or flying there, or traveling there, whatever it is. They were planning on being there. This sounds more like a personal hit, but Mark is sitting at home watching the race on TV and tweeting about it. There's mm -hmm. tweets coming through, Instagram posts. He's watching his brother, who also races. And Rex. And Rex, <laughs> spoiler. Um, but he's watching him. Why not be at the track rooters for his brother? Yeah, absolutely. He can walk around in the absolutely. stands. Also, he might need some bodyguards. But Stefan Brodel is there testing equipment for him. Just got done testing equipment in Jerez. As an update to last week's episode, I want to throw this in there real quick. There has not been a Calyx frame tested yet for Honda at all. I found multiple articles that came out pretty much the first day of this weekend. Stefan Brottle said, nope, I can't tell you what we were testing. Confidentiality, we all get that. However, he did say there were no Calyx frame. Uh, also, apparently, that's a rumor that the media created. I'll keep you, I'll, I'll keep us all up to date on that because I'm going to follow it. Uh, Stefan Brottle said, I think that'd be sweet, but actually, I haven't even heard anything yeah. from that besides from you guys. Which, so, is, which is unfortunate in multiple ways because we're ho we hope they're doing something. Yeah, I agree. I think they did do something this weekend. They did a rider mod. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, that was Moto3. Let's talk about Moto2. What do you think okay. the differences are? Moto2, Moto3 from a viewing perspective. From a viewing live. perspective. So Moto2 fell super close to home. The bikes aren't MotoGP'd out. I like that answer. They're not crazy fast. The riders aren't world famous. Like, yeah, they're world world class and they're famous. But again, if no one knows who Mark Marquez is, is anyone going to know any of the names from Moto2? So I like that answer. And the reason I like that answer is I always tell people, I'm like, I love these Moto2 bikes. And they say, why? And I say, because I can see me on one. Right. I can. That looks like a real motorcycle. Yep. That's, that's also why I like World Superbike. That's a story for another time. Yeah. But when I watch Moto2, you know, the Moto3s, I'm like, man, if I was 15 and not as heavy as I am. I always just laugh at the, those back <laughs> tires. I don't know if you can see, but they're, 
they're like not there. I'm like, how do you even? Uh, <laughs> how do you turn and not go down? Yeah. How do you lean on that so far? But they do. They amaze me every absolutely. time. Absolutely. But yeah, the Moto Two. They look absolutely. like real bikes. Yeah, close they're to not. Home. No, <laughs> <laughs> they're not in any way. But. They are far from. But they sound. So I get lost a lot, and I always forget because to me, growing up, sport bike was high revving, high pitched. You know, the Japanese inline four, the Jixers. Right. Right. Your R sixes, your CBR. The Jixers. Always the Jixers. Uh, but that's what a sport bike was to me. And then you watch World Superbike, and you get a reasonable amount of that. You watch Isle of Man, you get a lot of that. Then you go to MotoGP, and it's all these v- V4s. Mm-hmm. And I was never in the money, so I never looked at Ducati or Aprilia or anything, right? Because right? I was like, oh, I'll never be able to afford that. So those weren't bikes to me. Those weren't That wasn't what a sport bike was. And so I think that's another reason that, for me personally anyway, Moto2 does feel a little closer to home is because it has that higher pitch it has like that's what a sport bike has always been in my head right. now obviously i have an aprilia now i watch moto gp so i understand that they sound different but the little moto three guys have that kind of almost sound like a four wheelers going around the track you know four stroke four wheelers and then the moto gp is just this rumbling v4 noise that moto two just sounds like sounds like what i ride right and what i'm used to so there's that and then yeah i'm definitely not at that level but it's a lot easier to see myself like yep. watching them go around what turn 16, that big, long left-hander, oh, the, yeah. the double apex, watching them go around that from down next to it. I was like, Oh man, if they can lean those bikes, I can lean my bike. Right? <laughs> if they can do that on right. that, I can get at least close to that on, on my own bike. Right. right? It gives you confidence because it's, it doesn't have all the arrow. It doesn't have the huge tire. It doesn't feel like it has near as much technology behind it. Right. Which I know it does. I know very aware that there's still a lot that goes right. into that but like i said it just feels closer to what to what we're on and so kind of brings that home to me that what we're doing is possible or so what they're doing is possible for us to do so i have to bring this to the uh i'm sorry but i have to the american yeah. riders i got some words <laughs> joe roberts sean dylan kelly we love you we're rooting for you um i was i actually was even a little bit out loud Joe Roberts gained a place, and I was like, come on, man. You got it. Home soil, home turf. Let's get them. I think the American fan, I heard somebody tell me this the other day, um, and I agree with it, but the American fan is a finicky fan, but the American fan is somebody that needs a winner to root for, mm-hmm. and we, we talk about, like, growing the sport. Well, know. I mean, we're, we're two-time World War winners, right? <laughs> so, we're not losers. <laughs> right. We. You, and we don't want to be. We're unwilling to be. But that's just how we are. Yeah, unwilling to be. So, whereas, you know, for the love of, you know, I could go about that for days, but I've, I've spent my whole life rooting for losing teams, it seems. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but that being said, you know, man, where have all the winners gone from from the U.S.? I mean, we know the answers. We know the answers. The sport is you know, went away. We don't have enough avenues for young riders to come up and that's get the, trained. That is and the biggest one. That's, that's probably that's the biggest something, one. Something and, to sweep under the rug for later. Is yeah. To, yeah. That's a, that's a whole, that's a whole podcast in itself. I'm sure. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Cameron, wish you the most, the best in Moto America. Looking forward to watch Cameron Bobier. but man, we miss you over there. Maybe you should have stuck there a couple more years. Yeah, I think. Maybe should have went seen where that went Could've because stuck it out a little bit. 
and and that's a that's a lot to ask because I know American riders they got to go live you know in foreign lands and travel and they get to come home especially with the length of the season anymore. There's a, a lot of different things that we avenues we could go into. Love you, American Racing, hashtag OnlyFans, all that. But uh, we, uh, come on, guys. I don't know what else to say. Come on. I, I'll say what I told you today in the stands. This is sad. It's embarrassing. I'm not here to to skimp words, I guess. So I'll I'll say it that it was sad to me and embarrassing for I you know maybe the people around me aren't from America, and they're here. We're on our home turf. These are tracks that these guys grew up riding, have raced on in classes outside of Moto2, MotoGP. Like, that's your track. Right. It's your home ground. You should know that, right? It's it's like being the home team at a football event. Right. You have the advantage here. And Joe Roberts almost got up into the top 10. He was for a little bit and then just fell off. And then the other two are nowhere to be seen. And that's just, I don't need a win. That That would be great, right? It's always great to win on your home soil. I understand that we don't. But you want to believe it's possible. Yeah. Right. I would at least like <laughs> small goals, top 10, you know, right. top 10, top five would be amazing. Um, and, a, and a win would, would be perfect, obviously. But there's got to be something, something that can happen there. Well, I don't want to sound like I'm poo-pooing on Sean Dillon Kelly in general. Uh, I don't know him. But I was at Coda last year. Mm-hmm. And Cameron Bobier got the pole. Yeah, he was running that race. He was he was at the front. He was at third. He was he was moving around. He was moving around. And the 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 snap. These fans, half of them, don't know who Cameron Bobby is, but they were talking amongst themselves and started realizing there was an American. Well, never and seen and the announcers. Yeah, will make it known. Yeah, I, I've never seen like I don't mean to say I've been going there for a million years or anything, but it was night and day difference like the fans are jumping up and they're screaming every lap that that comes out you know you have to tell them sit down so because i can't <laughs> see nothing you know you know off the chain it was yeah. it was fun well that's what i want that's and there's what you want. that way when they come around like i was kind of mad when they when all the riders came around right and the winner does you know he pops his wheelie and whatever and then joe roberts comes around he's like rev and he's like come on give me that i'm like no i don't want to cheer for you you sucked <laughs> You did not do good. Like, no, you don't deserve it. I'm sorry, but I'm going to say it. You don't deserve it. If you can't produce something at least a little better, something for me to cheer for while you're out there, then no, I'm not going to give you the cheers at the end. And it's it's hard to say because I don't want to put that into the atmosphere and say like, hey, don't cheer when you go to a motorcycle race because I want more people to go and I want the fans to have fun and I want want the sport to grow. But let's get some... I don't know. What's it going to take, Joe? <laughs> Practice more. I don't know. <laughs> Figure it out, please. Oh, let's let's move it on to the GP yeah, main right, event. Right, right, right. Oh. Get off of that. <laughs> water. Oh, so MotoGP, pretty interesting race. In uh, yeah, how many riders did we start with? Uh, twenty-two. Twenty-two. The full grid. Right, full grid, not the normal we, grid. We had some replacement riders for those guys that should have been there selling bikes, but yeah, pole. Uh, all right, I'm just gonna say it. Pole asparagus. <laughs> We're just gonna say asparagus from here on out. Not being offensive to him at all or his brother, uh, Elish, but that's just a last name that I'll never pronounce right, and I don't want to be stumbling over the whole time. So the asparagus brothers. That's who we're talking about. 
Poland and Leish. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, him and Aya Bastianini, Mark Marquez all had their test riders from their companies, factories, whatever you want to call it. But we had a full grid. Uh, what did we end with? 14! 14. 14 bikes. Now, remind me what place you have to be in, at least, to get points. 16. Okay, so all you had to do was be a finisher of today's race, and you got points. Mm-hmm. That's why I was so mad at Ralph Hernandez. <laughs> now, if, it's, if there was something wrong with this bike, I haven't dug through to figure it out yet. I will say that's another hard thing about... Always worried about the fantasy. Being there and... Yeah, but <laughs> another... Yeah, I have Ralph Fernandez on my Grid Rebel fantasy team, and he pissed me off, but anyway. Uh, but another hard thing about being there is that you don't... I like to be in the moment. I don't like to have my phone out, especially at a big event like that. I wanted to be there, right? We paid to be there. I didn't pay to watch it on my phone while right. listening to it in the background. I paid to be there. Um, so I haven't gone through and dug anything up yet. So you guys are getting pure. Just We just came from there, haven't really looked anything up. We've got the finals up so we don't misspeak at all, but that's about it. But yeah, Ralph Fernandez made me very upset because I was like, you could have, come on, man, you could have gotten a point. Like, and again, if there's something wrong with this bike, okay, I, I understand that. But yeah, uh, 22 to 14, that is eight wrecks. Was it no, the first? No, it, it's, it's more than that, my friend, because eight people didn't finish. Yeah. But there were bikes that restarted after crashing. One? One for sure. I don't only remember the one. I think Brad was the only one that actually... Okay, so there was nine crashes. So Aleish was out right off the bat. He wasn't first. Jorge Martin was first. Was he? Yeah. I'm not remembering. All I remember was I saw Aleish Because he was the out. one we were having a hard time seeing yeah. went down yeah, on Jorge the TV Martin screen. Yeah, because Jorge was over in turn, that's probably, what, three or four? Yeah, having a hard time ca- catching that one. And then it was either a lap or two after that that Aleish went down right there in turn 11? 12. 12 at the end of the straight. 12, yep. Yep. Mark Marquez corner. Yeah, I uh, I chuckled to myself because I had told you. What did I tell you the day before? He's crashing. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have to take credit real quick. Oh, good hell. Uh, we came we <laughs> come to qualifying too, and I leaned over. I was like in the stands. I'm like, hey, Jorge Martin's going to bend it. Like, okay, whatever. Like, no, he's going to bend it for sure. But I think he'll still qualify top three, which he didn't. So only only halfway correct. But after Q2 ended, what did I tell you? About Aleish. That he was going to crash. Yeah, that he was going to crash, and he did. So it kind of warmed my heart a little bit. Not that I want people to crash, but... You know, just to argue, based off the numbers we just gave, you could have thrown a number... <laughs> could have said it about anyone. You could have drawn it out of a hat. Yeah. Yeah. So we have... we have. I'll give the overview. Sure. We had a great race kicking off. We had some crashes going on in the background, but none of them were contenders. Um, we had, at the time, we had... Alex Renz going toe-to-toe with Peko Bagnaya, mm-hmm. going toe-to-toe, chasing down the Ducati speed, Yep, you know, great was, race. It he was, was great because not a huge Alex Renz fan, where I think both of us are kind of starting to, you've always been there a little more than me, but we're both uh, starting to gain a little respect. I like the vampire-looking dude. It does look strange, <laughs> but gaining some respect. I, so I'll just say why I don't like him. Uh, I've told you so many times, this man can ride an amazing race, and then... You're mad because you think he wrecked Jixers and he hurt them. <laughs> no. Actually, it's nothing to do with that. <laughs> I'm mad because of the way it looked like he wrecked them. Every single time, he was like doing super well, second to last lap, or even the last lap, low side. Yeah. Always a simple low. And it literally, every time it looks like he's in the corner, he's going, and then he's just like... Hmm. 
and just throws the bike away. Yep. I'm like, you can do better than that. <laughs> but anyway, push that aside. Gaining some respect for him. He was 100% there with Bagnaya the whole time. Every corner, something I've heard people say about him, and I wholeheartedly agree with and believe, and I, I always have, uh, is when he wants to, that man can point the bike anywhere in a corner and do it and follow it through. I consistently on a Suzuki. Yeah. Consistently on a Suzuki, the fastest guy on the track. Yep. And I, well, I used to blame it on the Suzuki. I used to blame it, well, the Suzuki just has a better handling, right? Because right. they always did. But now he's on a Honda, which has terrible handling. Terrible everything. Does it? Allegedly. Well, Alex Renz just won a race, which maybe Coda's just built for Hondas. I don't know. I don't know. Because so, who won? Well, he wasn't on a Honda then, so that negates that. But anyway, I was going to say. Mark, he won in 2019. Yeah. He, he, he showed that he has skills on that track. So, right. so I know that he's listed as a favorite almost every time we go there because of that one time he won. Which is so funny to me. Well, yeah. It's like KTM is an amazing brand now, and they're going to do so great. Come on. KTM <laughs> does great at everything they do. And KTM does. Yeah. Yeah, but are they? MotoGP might be the first thing they've struggled as hard as they have with, <laughs> and we'll see what that we'll see what that brings. But I think we're both patiently waiting, and I think the only reason that we're hopeful is because of Jack. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting that one. I wasn't actually expecting it. Um, I wasn't. I also. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't expecting him to get up as hard as far as he did as quick as he did. Yeah, I'm excited to watch the race back. Yeah. Another side note: when you watch a, never have I watched a race on TV, and at the end of the race, said, "Let me go rewatch it." Well, uh, let me pull out my phone and see who number three was, or number six, or what happened to that guy. When you go to a live event uh, Saturday when we left after watching the sprint race, we were so excited about it and. It was a great race and it was fun. We went back to the parking lot, got in the car, and I'm I pulled the phone out and I'm reading to everybody in the vehicle. Yep. Like first place, second place, third place, because we don't know. Yep. You obviously knew who the winner was, maybe the top three or whatever, but you don't know who finished fifteenth or you don't remember. Yeah. Well, and you never actually knew. Yeah. Because it, the poll wasn't working. Yeah. Was it working for the sprint? No. No. It wasn't until today that they finally get it working. Yeah. Yeah, which made it easier, but um, for the again for the common fan, well, they it, only have the numbers up there. Yeah, for the common fan, you don't know those numbers. No, not very well. I mean, you probably know the guy you're rooting for, yeah, and maybe a couple, couple others, but yeah, yeah. a couple of the big guys. Um, and I mean, I'm going on four four years of religiously watching MotoGP, and I'm starting to learn some of the numbers. Yeah, well, obviously, they I've always known. Too. Yeah, and they change. You get new people. People retire. Um, and then they change bikes and, and things like that. But yeah, even for, for a religious fan, it can become, it can be difficult if you're not focusing on that and you don't have to, when you're watching on TV. Right. So I guess if you're going to go to a live event anywhere in the world, not just Coda, maybe other tracks are a little better. And Coda has been better in the past. I don't yeah. know what was going on this year. Let's study up a little bit, maybe a little bit right. more than you would for the TV. So go back to the MotoGP race. Renz was chasing down Peko. Mm -hmm. uh, at, at first, you had the feeling Pecco was going to run away, away with it. Yeah. Renz was not letting him do that. He started reeling him back in even. He started gaining pace on him. There's all these crashes happening in the back. And then Pecco does what? Wrecks uh, out. 
The same thing he did last week. Yep. Same thing he did four or five times last year. The same thing he did the year before that lost him the championship. The year before last. It was in yeah. Yep. Year before last year. Yep. In France. When he was battling when he was battling with Fabio. Yep. Fabio. And last year he did that multiple times in the beginning of the year and then cleaned it up for the second half yep. of the year. This year he's starting out again, I don't know, three races, two times he's put it down. Six races. That's the hard part. Not according to Dorna. But according to Dorna, we have three races and three sprints. But they're, they're scored. The sprints are scored, though. They're still not allowed to call them a sprint race. Okay. You can only call it a sprint. It's not a sprint race. I don't care. And they, I don't care either. But I'm they, not Dorna. But they don't, <laughs> they don't even count in the record books as race wins. There's a separate rule. There's a separate. Yeah, but you're still getting a win of an I, event. I give them more props for the sprint win. All right. That's. Screw you, Dorna. Whatever. <laughs> I'm calling it a sprint race. I'm going to say six races. They're yeah. racing. Okay. I'll, that will be the JK Moto standard. We same, have had six races. And uh, there have been six scored events. Six scored events, and Peko has still put it down in two. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I agree with that. But what I'm saying is it's a little different this year because it's not just zero points for those two weekends. Right. Right. Because there's more events. So hey, he won the sprint in. Did he podium? So he won the sprint, obviously. Well, not obviously. First week. He won the sprint and the race the first week. Mm -hmm. Skipping Dakota, he won the sprint, but not the race. Yes. And then Portimao crashed out of the race. I can't remember if he podiumed or it was, I think he was fourth, maybe. I don't have that in front of me. I'm sorry. But either way, he got points, right? So it makes it a little different because it's not just I DNF the race. It's over for this weekend. I didn't get any points, right? Which is making the whole season kind of interesting because you can go into a weekend, you could DNF the sprint and still come back tomorrow and gain all your points back. So you have a fluke or vice versa. What we've seen Peko do twice now is gain some points and then lose them all or lose all the potential the next day. I guess I'll spring this question on you. A lot of people are picking Peko as the championship winner this year. Uh, he did. Mark Marquez did. Fabio didn't, but maybe should have. But a lot of people, right? That's kind of, I think, the general consensus. Ducati has the bike. Peko's got the skills. Can they put it together? They did last year. Can they do it again? Probably. Yep. Right. And there's not really much else out there that we're seeing. Some people are coming up, but not not quite. We've had a very interesting start of the season. I know we're only three races in, but what are your thoughts? Non-biased. Non-biased. I still think he has, because of injuries and things like that, I think that he has, I would give him the same percentage win possibility as I would have before the season started. Okay. Can he win? Absolutely. Has he hurt himself? Absolutely. But he's still right there fighting. Uh, other players have not been in there. The players that have been in there have not been dominating. Right. He's. I think that's the. Yeah. I think the first one is the key for me, anyway, is that it hasn't been. Well, Pecco's out these two races. Fabio's there or right. Ine is there. Right. I think that those are my next two on the list as far as. Big agree. Contenders I would agree. Year. They haven't been right there taking the points. If they had been, we might be in a different story. Yeah, I think he still has. Of course, he's not. You're never out till you're out. But I, I still think he has every possibility of right. winning the championship. Uh, if I had to put my dollars on it right now, I would still put them on him. I don't want to. <laughs> I know you don't want to. <laughs> I have to. such a hard time. I always have a hard time with that. I, so he's on my grid level. You know that. So mm -hmm. today I sat there and I was like, come on, Renz. Come on, Renz. Then I was like, <laughs> What am I doing? <laughs> I have this guy on my fantasy team. If I want to win that, I want this guy to win, right? right? Like, 
I should be happy about it. But yeah, I, I'm with you. My fantasy. My fantasy is all about winning. I don't actually care about the individuals on my fantasy team. But just because they change so much, I can't just pick my. Yeah, which team is true. Year. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm enough of a fan of the sport that I will sacrifice my fantasy <laughs> for a good race. Yeah. And... Oh yeah. Absolutely. Well, speaking of fantasy, can we talk about Miguel? Let's go. I mentioned it a couple times today. I think I, I think we talked about it before the season even started. I see a lot of potential there. A lot. Last year, he was on KTM. He got talked about during the rain. That was really it. And then when we got news that he was going to Aprilia, I started paying, paying attention to him. Right. Because until you hear the commentators mention a name or they win a race, you don't really think about them. At least I don't. Right? Like uh, whatever the other... Ducati guy. I don't even remember his name. That's how bad this is. Which? Franco DG and Antonio. <laughs> DG. Yeah. Sorry, DG. <laughs> Sorry. Diggy. I always, always forget that guy exists. I'm always like, yeah, there's eight Ducatis. And I'm like, Seven? I can't Who forget poor Diggity. I'm like, oh, he's the one that I always pick up my fantasy if I don't have any money left. <laughs> Diggity, <laughs> I know you've been on a downturn, but you'll be all right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm I, not here to bag on him, so I don't do that. <laughs> but until you hear someone win, right, and you hear their name a lot, you don't really recognize them. And so right. I, I didn't until I started hearing the commentators talk about him, but I started paying attention to Miguel. Uh, one, I like his attitude. Mm -hmm. I, you know, watching the interviews with him and everything else, the way he presents himself so far, which could change any weekend, as we've seen with different people. But I like his attitude, and I think he can ride well. And I think Aprilia's got that package. I'm going to add something about his personality. Okay. Handled his departure from KTM very well, at least in the media and the things that you were able to read. He didn't, I think he had the right to be pretty angry. Mm -hmm. um, to me, outside looking in, of course, he won some races for him. He was doing good things for him. They decided to cut ties with him, but then they got rid of Remy. Gardner on their satellite team. Mm -hmm. They got rid of Raul Fernandez yep. after one year deals, caused a crap storm in their media, and then had the gall to go back and ask him if he wanted to come ride one of the gas gas bikes, which he turned down. <laughs> yeah, I wonder why. And, and and all of those things. I don't think he really understood why it was happening to him because he's always been a good team player and won some races and was arguably their most successful rider. Yeah. I definitely put him, in my opinion, above Brad, but definitely with with Brad on the KTM. Yeah. As far as if you go just results for results, absolutely. Yeah. I know we're not there, and somebody seems to see something more in the other side of the garage than his side of the garage. So let's not get started on Brad Bender. <laughs> we can get started on Brad Bender if you want, but I want to finish up Miguel first. Another day we'll talk KTM. Go back to Miguel. <laughs> but no, I just I, I think I think he's got the skills and I think Aprilia's got the package for him. I am very sad that he was out of the race last week. Your guy. Yeah, okay. Yes, because of my guy. Whatever. We're not talking about Mark. Well, Mark's not here and we don't know anything Of course we don't want to talk about Mark when we need to be talking about Mark. Because oh of Mark. God. Yeah, because of Mark. Okay, because of Mark, Miguel wasn't here. It was Mark's fault, yes. Uh, absolutely sure <laughs> whatever how did the aprilias do in the rain terrible the aprilias right how did maverick and alesh do in the rain terrible was it them or was it the bikes everyone talking about the race wanted to talk about how it was the bikes right we already talked about a little bit 
we don't think it was the bikes. Right. Talked about Maverick in the rain, and now he's kind of shy, water shy. I believe him to be water shy. <laughs> we talked about Aleish and how he's just Aleish, and everything's always something else's fault and never his own fault. I haven't heard anything today, but I'm sure there's something there I'm today. I'm sure it's right here as yep. soon as we get down yep. and I look. Yep. So, okay, let me, so we won't come, I won't come back to that, but go look for yourself, I'm sure. So let me give you the, you heard it here first. Okay. Aleish will be replaced by Miguel Oliveira after this year. Okay, I hope so. He'll be on a factory bike. Miguel will be on that factory, Aprilia. And I can't guarantee whether it's Vinales or Aleish. I feel like Aleish is going to take the captain badge, retire it, and probably retire. I hope so. I hope so. Miguel will move in there. Aleish's best chance to win the championship was last year. It's sadly gone, and mm -hmm. I don't see that coming back. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I was. It's kind of funny you mentioned that because I was thinking about it today, actually, during the race. I was like, there he goes again. Wrecks out. Who's not wrecking out? Who's right there with Maverick? on the last year's look like good teammate yeah yeah I was like, wow. <laughs> imagine if i could tell who you were a little better right <laughs> but i i hope that's true i hope that happens uh let's plan on that for next year i never want to say i hope this guy retires well that's the wrong way to put it i guess but not trying to say that elish is terrible and whatever he's a he's got some talent he's been there plenty long enough anymore it feels like he's just there to have an issue wreck the bike or not even race the bike because of said issue yeah. and then complain about it. And that that's no fun. And I'll say as far as being a fan friendly person, you know, Jack Miller after the sprint race, the sprint comes down the straight. And what does he do when he gets to the end of the straight? Well, the Jack biggest does. freaking stoppy of all time, <laughs> but you see it in the Instagram photos mm -hmm. and maybe you see it on camera, but I'll tell you what, watching that in person, when you've been watching these bikes come down at 219 Yep, 219 miles an hour all day. And you watch them come down and then just bike up, going across. That's freaking awesome. That's what you want. That's what I'm there for, right? Mm -hmm. That's why I came to the race rather than just watching on TV because that's so much better. What does Aleish do after every single everything? While everyone else is there, you know, maybe it's just a little wave. Maybe it's Fabio with just his leg out. Okay, at least you're recognizing that I'm here to watch you. Aleish, blows yeah. Nothing. Not even a look. No, he doesn't even... He doesn't, even, he doesn't turn his head. In fact, he probably turns it away. Mm -hmm. No, because that would at least let me know that maybe he's ashamed of himself and doesn't. There is no recognition of us being there in the audience supporting him. It's so silly. Uh, not to go back to what we talked about in the beginning, but that the little girl that Jack gave a thumbs up to, mm -hmm. the, the drivers or the riders coming down, just waving at the audience after their. You see how it gets the fans going? Yeah. Yeah, they get so just to just to well, like I said, this. I just said it to on, do this. I said it on Friday. I was like, "Dude, we're doing this all wrong." You remember what I said? No. About how we shouldn't be rooting for a rider. We need to be the wheelie fans. <laughs> then, at least you have a very reasonable chance of winning. There were a lot of wheelies this right. weekend, right? There's a couple down in the audience that are just wheelie zone and with a sign, and they held it up. And was, we're messing up here. Right. Because if Jack wrecks, Jack wrecks. But as long as there's a bike out there and one of those bikes does a wheelie, you won. Yeah, you know why good. are we not wheelie fans? <laughs> no, I like what you were just talking about, and one of the reasons that I'm okay with the leash retiring is because when you talk about growing the sport, you talk about how are you going to grow something? Is it getting more people my age, your age, or older to go? No, it's getting maybe you know you could say my age a little right. bit. 
but even younger than me is what you need. And that little girl with that one experience, or the thumbs up from Jack, that's a positive. Yep. What, are, what are her chances of going to GP for the rest of her life? You know, MotoGP race, at least there in Coda, maybe even following, maybe following Jack on Instagram or whatever. Uh, I, don't, I don't know her age, so maybe that's the wrong example. But being more involved because of that, that's what gets people there. And you need that from the people my age and from their kids oh, yeah. because that's what's going to keep them there and keep it alive, right? Because we could grow, say we get an extra 10,000 people at Coda next year, but they're all over the age of 60 or 70. Is that really going to do us any good? And don't, don't take that the wrong way. I'm not trying to preclude old people or older people. Oh, no. I, going just, to I was just going to bring up the how do you tie in again that Harley riders don't wear helmets and this is a Harley problem that MotoGP has right now. <laughs> Well, Harley wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, Harley. Harley of Austin or Harley of wherever in Texas, you, yeah. where were you? Yeah, one of you local Harley shops, you know, should should get out there. How many Harleys were there in the parking lot? Hundreds. Yeah. And funny. Did any of did you ever see anyone walk past a Harley and be like, you shouldn't be here on that bike? Yeah. Yeah. No. It's, it's nothing like that, but I laugh about, you know, maybe everybody that goes to the race, they want to dig through their closet and find a, a motorcycle related T-shirt to wear or something like that. Because we're America and Harley rules America. It does. So you walk around the anywhere at the track, you walk around and there's just as many Harley shirts or Harley paraphernalia as there is anything else that races in MotoGP, yeah, I guarantee a Harley trailer over there selling overpriced T-shirts would kill it. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, and I, I'll say for the sake, so I, I own a Harley Davidson. You own a couple Harley Davidsons, right? I think we're both Harley fans when it comes to that. You definitely more than me. Yeah. I think we have sweeping this pretty far under the rug, but we have in the works <laughs> maybe a, a full Harley dedicated episode at yeah. some point. Yeah, uh, where I'd love to have you go through a history and and uh, increase and correct some of my what i think is knowledge that being said there is definitely a rivalry in america between we'll just go very average the harley rider and the sport bike rider right, right? there's a little bit of rivalry there two completely different people i mean we have it ourselves a little bit right because when you met me i was a sport bike guy and you were a harley guy and we gave each other crap for that right. so when i see a for lack of a better word, stereotypical Harley rider, right? It'll be like a, your team, right? That's, that's all you, right? Well, I have one in my garage. And then you see your dude on a... No, let's, let's, let's say it. Let, let's go out on a limb for everybody. Okay. You give one example that you would say my team. <laughs> one example. Uh, all right. I'll talk about the, the gentleman that was um, extremely overweight in 90-degree Texas weather. Wearing his full leather jacket or vest, leather pants, right, or chaps, the boots, with all the dingle bells and yeah, tassels dingle bells, and stuff. jewelry, whatever. You're right. He's got the the ring on. He's got a cigar. <laughs> got the sunglasses. And he's <laughs> that that was a cigar. That was a Cuban original, two inch diameter, <laughs> fourteen inch long stogie. That was a stogie. <laughs> That's the guy. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Your team. Yeah. <laughs> my team. And I... On the other hand. On the other hand, seen the slightly athletic built gentleman. Oh, thank you. Not thank you. you. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Shirtless, in the stands, uh -huh. with his flak jacket on, 
right? Yeah. You yeah. seen that guy? What was the 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 riding armor? Yep. The, yeah, only the arm. Yeah. He only had the armor on, but he was naked. Other he's not, than the, he's not squidding because he wears armor. Yeah. He's a <laughs> he's a. And I said, he's Neeson, your team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, there's a rivalry. There, yes. Right. Uh, but when it comes down to it, we all have one thing in common, and that is the the love of being on two wheels. Yeah, and we even I would argue that we even have more in common than that now. Um, Absolutely. Harley's are racing. Right. I was. That's what I was about to get into. Har- Harley's are racing. Indians are racing. Yep. You know, they've gone racing, and sport bike manufacturers have gone naked, taller, taller, taller. Hey, we can drive this across the country. Um, even, even again, your sweep under the rug, but adventure bikes, Harley's fighting in that field. Yeah. All the sport bike guys are fighting in that field. Well, and Harley went electric. Yeah. Harley's going electric. Everybody's different topic. <laughs> yeah. Different topics, but I mean, the, the lines are blurring more and more every day. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say, I guess, to Harley Davidson in general, but especially like your local Harley shops, right? Like there was BMW out there. But that's your chance to come out and gain customers and to, to show that you care about the sport. Yep, absolutely. Right? And so is Harley in MotoGP? No. Do they need to be? No. It's a world sport. don't think they need to be there. I don't think they're quite that big. And obviously, they don't make a sport bike. So would that help them? No. But I'd like them to. <laughs> that would be sweet. Uh, but they are sell at least one. They are 100% in Moto America, king of the baggers. And that's growing every year. Absolutely. And so I don't see why they couldn't sponsor Coda or at least come out to the event. Yeah, they're also running hooligans this year in Moto America. So that's some naked okay. naked motorcycles. So they're still running that. Well, it's the Pan America platform. Okay, okay, okay. I remember seeing that now. Yeah, so they're, the, so they're getting closer to sport bike. The dirt glide. Not the dirt glide. <laughs> Should have been the dirt glide. I always liked that. Absolutely should have been the dirt glide. What else we got? So, I mean, I think that our goal is not to give you guys a play-by-play, but maybe some highlights or things yeah. that we've seen each week from a MotoGP event. But being that we were local, on-site, we got some pretty exciting things you yeah. know, on this round. Yes, yeah, to start off with, I guess we, we happen to stay in the same hotel as a lot of the corner workers. Mm-hmm. Maybe all of them. Not maybe, sure. maybe all of them. There's a lot of them. Yep. <laughs> There are a lot. Uh, as you'll learn here in a couple minutes, um, we end up interviewing one, which was awesome. His name's Ryan. Uh, I know you kind of sat in on the interview for a little bit on the back on the backside. Uh, I think it was awesome to hear what he had to say. So we'll go ahead and uh, play that clip for you. Let you watch that interview. But are you from here? From Austin? From Houston. Houston. Okay, so pretty close by. Um, okay, so what got you interested in cor- like what, when was the first time you did a corner working? Um, I actually did a, an SCCA race okay. for Labor Day. It was a three-day race down in Angleton. Okay. Kind of amateurs. Uh, a customer of mine does is a flag chief for the SCCA of Houston. So okay. he got me into it. You know, we discussed Formula One, stuff like that. Wanted to do it. Right. So it, it's, it worked itself out. <laughs> So is that something you just kind of like kept up since then? Anytime a big event comes up? Uh, not, no, not only big events. I'll go to small ones too. Just every, everything I try to get at least one event a month. Okay. So how does, like say I wanted to, you know, say I was in the, 
southeast Texas area or nearby states and I wanted to do this next year, how would I kind of go about doing that? For MotoGP specifically? Uh, yeah, sure. Or any event, but uh, I mean, let's say CODA specifically, I guess. Well, that would depend because CODA still houses like more amateur-based races too. Okay. Um, I wouldn't call them amateurs, more like pro-am. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways to go about it. Things like professional races, they're going to want some sort of experience. Okay. Your pro-am, they might ask for some. It probably isn't the most pressing thing. Your amateur races, they don't care. I mean, right. They just need start, people. Right. You've got to start somewhere. Uh, we are volunteers. All of us are okay. volunteers. Very few exceptions. And that's going to be anybody that is fire or medical. So your actual emergency... Are actually yeah. correct, and then obviously there are the code of track workers and things like that. Right. Okay, so can you take us through a just like a day in the life? Let's do a race day specifically, I guess. Race day? Um, or maybe uh, let's start with let's do both. Uh, your least favorite day, and then uh, and then a race day. Unless the race day is your least favorite, then typically on a big event like this, F one MotoGP wouldn't matter for us. It's four days. Okay. Practice or er, training. Mm-hmm. Practice qualifying race so even on the like on the on the press days for moto gp you guys still, are out there we're still practicing training and we're training ready. ourselves okay. and practicing different varying things so i know this year for moto gp the the actual moto gp bikes changed they do not have a physical clutch anymore it is a neutral button okay uh, as far as i am like as far as i know the button the bike has to be on for that button to work that would make sense so we yeah. cannot put that bike in neutral Okay. So we lift from the back tire with a bar. It's things like that have changed because mm. they changed. We had to adapt. So it's a lot of training this year for things like that and stuff. So while they're doing press day, we're training. I'm trying to make sure anybody who hasn't done it or even people who have are make, making sure that they have the proper knowledge to be able to do it. Right. That you're up to date for well, whatever you got this year. Least favorite day? Easily? Practice day. Okay. They don't push. I mean, they push. Don't get me wrong. They don't push hard. Right. We're bored. <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds really bad. Like, how can you be that close and be bored? One bad thing for us is you cannot follow that race. Just can't be on your phone. If you get lucky to get a corner with a TV, you might be able to follow it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then, truthfully, you're not supposed to be watching the TV. Right. Yeah, you're gonna be invested <laughs> in in the race um, in the corner. Kind of a bit of a difficult thing there. It's just Fridays of the morning days. Not okay. much happens. I mean, it can always, but right. not likely. Qualifying days are probably, I don't know, that's a toss-up. From what I've seen today and from my experiences with Formula One, they push way harder on, on qualifying day. Granted, it's one lap, right? but, but they are pushing yep. to the absolute I mean, you, edge. you can see that in the lap times alone. Of course. So. Agree with um, that. I mean, who was it? I, I, God forgive me, I don't know his name. I mean, he broke a track record today. Uh, like, Naya. he literally yeah. broke a track record, so it's kind of impressive, yeah. And then, you know, historically, we look at that and go, so lap times are 203s, 202s, tomorrow they'll be in the 206s, mm-hmm. it's about right, you know. Uh, they're fighting, they're not pushing, right? So things can are still very prone to happen I just so as a as a corner worker are you like do you all have a specific like one guy's flags one guy's gonna be the first one to run out one we guy's medical are all broken down very well this year 
you will not find flags and track marshals in any capacity on the same corner. Okay. So, for instance, like we're nine. Mm -hmm. Nine is broken down. And again, this is going to be based off of who you are. Nine is broken down technically four times. Okay. So you have T9A, which is going to be track nine alpha. You have F9B, which is flag nine Bravo. You have T9C, which is track nine Charlie. Mm -hmm. And then you have 9A, which is nine alpha. And nine alpha only pertains to right of response and medical. Okay. Which, as you can kind of see, also becomes very confusing too, because is the turn T9C or is it 9A? Right. Right. Um, it's both. <laughs> it's way confusing. You won't find us in the same, you know, in the same at all. Like we don't. Have, we have flaggers that are probably I don't know, two hundred feet away from us, mm -hmm. but they're not with us. Okay. And then so on and so forth. Every turn has that. Some turns are worse. I don't want to say worse. Some turns are bigger than others. So yes. Mm -hmm. So like eleven. I swear to God, I think eleven goes to like K. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's like just due to the length of. The, the turn. eleven runs all the way down that back straight. Okay. So right up until they hit twelve. Okay, so you got that whole yeah, section discovered. I mean, okay. Probably a lot of boring posts down there. Right. But they're needed. If, God forbid something does happen. Yeah. So yeah, you gotta have the flags available and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know the answer to this or not, but uh, is everyone that's out there as a corner worker are they all f like volunteers from here in the U.S. or did some of them no. come with MotoGP? Or? Absolutely not. I don't know everyone who came this time. I know we have quite a few people from Australia okay. who came over for this. Again, my I've done a lot more of the Formula One races. We get a lot of people from like the Middle East. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of people from England, from the UK, all over the world who come in here. I mean, and it's the same, like just the same. So talking to a lot of these marshals from the U.S., they'll go to other countries. Right, okay. There's a few guys that have actually made that their retirement plan. 100%. It's all <laughs> Not they a do. bad plan. At least for MotoGP, do you know if they cover, like if they would cover the flights and they would cover the cost of traveling? They do not. Okay. So for instance, like um, as volunteers, we get a discounted hotel rate. We do not, we still pay for it. Okay. So you are not only volunteering, but you're paying to be here. Mm -hmm. essentially. Well, there's a lot of, I mean, don't, don't be wrong. They take care of us too. Right. I mean, we're fed. Mm -hmm. Drink a thousand water bottles a day if you want. I mean, Gatorade. Um, we're still taken care of throughout, you know, varying ways. But yeah, you pay for it. Okay. It's good to know. It's, uh, I honestly didn't know that. I kind of thought MotoGP would take care of all of it. Funny question. Mm -hmm. But uh, everyone out there wears all white. Is that something that's provided? Or do you, you know, they send you, hey, this is what you need to buy in order to do this? We, we do have to supply it. Okay. For me, not such a big deal. Again, SCCA is right. Club of America. Been doing this for a while. That's all we wear. Right. That's for F1, we would be wearing the blue jumpsuits, I'm sure you've seen. Mm -hmm. That's going to be medical. Okay. Um, the reason why we are in white for MotoGP and not in the Dakota Blues is because it was. In the event a bike catches on fire, we're going to run out there with a fire extinguisher and put it out. It's track marshal. Okay. In the event the bike is on fire and on top of a rider, the medical team is actually going to pull that bike off of the rider. And so then they're, physically act they're physically actively messing with the fire. We're just going to spray it with a fire extinguisher, honestly. All right, quick like day in the life. Like what time do you get there? Uh, <laughs> do you guys get a lunch break or is it just when you can take a break, take a break? Do you trade out at all? No. Um, so, okay, day in the life. We leave here 
from the hotel at 5 a.m. Okay. It's pretty early. It's very early. <laughs> it's <laughs> earlier than I left. Uh, so we go over back to the track. We go to lot. We go to our lot. We go eat breakfast, hang out. Real quick, do they do they shuttle you guys over there? Absolutely. Okay. All right. There and back. Eat breakfast, hang out. At some point, we have our morning meeting. Just make sure, like anything that may have gone wrong, that gets covered. Don't right. maybe don't do that again. Anything that went well, we go out to the track to our stations, and then quick track walk. Make sure there's no debris. Things get missed all the time. Right. After that, we just kind of prep. They do their their laps, the inspection, the timing laps. Typically, it starts. Everything's gravy. As you sure you've noticed, it will. We will see all three classes. Before mm -hmm. we go to lunch. Tomorrow yep. will be the exception. Okay. After they're done, we do get a lunch. Mm -hmm. And you said the food's all provided? Oh, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Okay. They, bring, they, uh, they have a whole hospitality team out there. Okay. So awesome. uh, they bring us lunches by. Today they brought us lunches between sessions, so we weren't like, I mean, it sits there for a minute. It's not a big deal. Right. I, I, we follow the schedule all day long, but there's so much on it that we, we lose track. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's a whole um, weekend, so I understand. Qualifying one and two for MotoGP, we had lunch. So what was that, 11.30? Uh, about, yeah. So yep. 11.30 to 1. So basically when, when they have 12, a break, 30. when they have a big break, you guys get yeah. a big break. Okay. Um, and in between sessions, I mean, experience comes from Formula 1. I'm going to tell you now. Last year, uh, Busy? The, the women, no, the women's series dropped. Oh, so we okay. didn't have it. Oh, okay, so we had like three, four hour gaps in between sessions okay. of us sitting. Right. It looked real bad. But, <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. The MotoGP is far more um, efficient. Efficient, tight. I mean, we're okay. like 10, 15 minutes between sessions. Mm -hmm. Enough for them to make sure everybody's back in, prep the next group. And then do one one track clear to make sure everybody's good, make sure all all of the marshals are on station, and then we're off. Okay. So that brings me to my next question, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, as a corner worker, mm -hmm. how much interaction do you have with MotoGP, with the riders maybe, with the teams, any of that side? The, op the opportunity is there. Uh, yesterday and today, they broke it down. We were able to go do a pit lane walk. That, okay. is, that is something we are allowed to do. Um, if a rider's out there, we can stop and talk to them. Right. Um, I mean, we were able to go into the Moto2 garage yesterday for Team Honda or Honda Asia. Okay. So you guys... Was, we got to go in right. and actually look around, which was really, really cool of them to let us do. Um, they don't have to let us do that. Okay. Um, today... They did that again, but they also took us to the Grand Plaza to get autographs from the riders. That's cool. Okay. Uh, no, again, as I said, I, I'm not. I don't really follow MotoGP, so I don't really right. know them so well. Other than that, I'm sure you noticed after the sprint race when they do their cool down lap, everybody swarms all the marks swarm track. Yep. So we get that too. Um, yeah, you get to be right there. A lot of those guys are really cool as far as like you know they're they're very kind to us. A lot of them appreciate the fact that we're there. Mm -hmm. Because um, again, unfortunately, if we're not there, they don't get to do that. Uh, you know, I was up in the stands today, mm -hmm. uh, which is very different than watching it on TV. Absolutely. How much more is it being down there at a corner? Being it's focus. Okay. It's focus. It's um, it's not for everybody. It's <laughs> that factor of it's really easy to get caught up in the right, and you've got to at some point let go of that. 
Right, because that's not your job. Right. I'm not. My job isn't to watch them go around. Right. My job is to make sure that nothing happens. If something happens, it's not even to make sure things don't happen. It's right. to make sure that if something happens, it's taken care of. Right. Clean up. I'm trying to think. So we uh, we have one guy on our. He's on our station. Who's I mean, humongously into MotoGP. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, it's you've got to kind of disconnect. Like you've got to stop and realize like that. I know it's super super cool, but in the event you're looking over here. The way this was true, we, the way we were taught is that the speed of these bikes, if it happens before us, it's our problem. <laughs> if it yeah. happens at us, that's not our problem anymore. They're right. going to slide so far, it's not our problem. I'm the next guy. So okay. if you're looking over here and it happens, we miss it. We miss it, somebody get hurt. Um, the bike's in the middle of a track, that's just more room for error, for more error. It's not. Right. We don't want that. So you don't necessarily have time to sit and be watching the race. No. We had a bad crash in Moto2 Qualifier 2. Okay. Yep. Real, uh, relatively, I mean, it wasn't terrible. He low-sided. Um, his bike hit the ground, and he kind of flipped a few times. But mm -hmm. it's that moment of, like, if we were looking off in any other direction, we miss it. Right. I mean, we'll still we'll get out there. It's just delayed. Yep. Um. But seeing it happen as it's happening, you're able to react before it's ever done. Before you can actually do anything, you're still able to react. Right. Which helps get things cleaned up a little faster. Yeah. So. Makes sense. So upon talking to you, you asked me if it's something I would recommend. Yeah, that, that, that's how I was going to end off, is would you? <laughs> it's very personal. Okay. It's, it's, it's work. But as a fan of just general racing, mm -hmm. absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. It's something, um, I like to wear it like this. You can't pay for those seats. Yeah, okay. But they do come with inherent danger, and they do come with, well, I mean, responsibility. So mm -hmm. it's not for everybody. If, if somebody's goal is to sit and watch it, that's not for them. Right. But if I, you want to be closer to the action, you don't mind putting it I thoroughly work. enjoy it. Okay. Thoroughly enjoy it. So, I mean, I, I would recommend it to somebody. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, hey, thanks for your time. Always. So anyway, after that interview, corner working. Is that something that you should do? Okay. Which was answered in the interview a little bit. I'm just here to share our opinions and yeah. push it even more. So so my opinion, I, I want to follow up with that. Okay. I want to follow up with that. Um, I know we're saying sweep under the rug a lot, but uh, <laughs> as you know, we'll talk about that in a later episode, but I have to do some service hours in order to be a member of you the club. You can say it. After talking to the corner orders, I've got my wife, potentially. Mm -hmm. um, one, a, a friend of mine is going to go and do some hours at the local UMC track. Maybe we can get them on here to talk about what their take was on it as well. The interview with Ryan was from a very high-end event, MotoGP. Uh, he's familiar with doing F1 races and things like that as well. And, and lower end. Yeah, and, you mentioned in the beginning of the uh, video doing SCCA gotcha. and a few other. He, what it sounds like is he tries to do at least one event a month. Sorry, this might be a recap in the interview, but he missed the first part of that. But yeah, it sounds like he lives in Houston and just kind of does as much as he can because he enjoys motorsports. Mm -hmm. He does follow F1 and definitely does F1 for sure. Gotcha. So we'll have a... We'll have a personal, you know, friend, accomplice, wife, mm -hmm. somebody that goes and spends a day. 
out there doing that. We'll see what that looks like in in my neck of the woods. And get a lower a lower level. Uh, I think that interview was definitely covering specifically as much as possible MotoGP. What I wanted to put out was that I definitely think that corner working is a great way. If you're looking for a different take, being closer to the action, but different action. Right. You you know you want to go to a MotoGP or any any motorsport event. Definitely go go try that out or at least look into it. Tracks are always looking for people. Absolutely, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Is it's it's volunteer work, and we need we need it. Yeah. Uh, and I am thinking about doing it myself at some point. Uh, the issue is that I also want to just go watch the race. But I'm like, hey, you know, I can't tell everyone else to go do this and then not not go do it myself. So I'm definitely planning on figuring out what know what events i can do uh maybe i'll find some non-motorcycle events that i won't be at yeah um that i would then go and do that for but well moto america mm -hmm. highest level in the united states motorcycle racing uh they practically beg people to come out and do it there's many moto america type events where they'll they'll end up by asking hey anybody wants to see the race they want to get in for free they want to you know, it's the best seats in the house. They're they're constantly trying to advertise because right. there's shortages. Yep. And we've been to some tracks where the corner workers are a little lacking. For a track day. For for a track day. Yep. So, you know, maybe you can get away with some things or, or, or whatever. But if you look at a racetrack, maybe they have eight stations around the track. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you'll see there only five of them are filled up. Filled up things like that and that's fine but people can always use them so. yeah yeah i'll say that and then um the other thing i'll say and and ryan kind of spoke to it in that interview but is that you'll be taken care of 100 uh, every time i've looked into it it's always hey you know you show up it's an early day but you show up you get breakfast some coffee water whatever you need they'll take a break you'll get lunch and then they'll end the day with a dinner right and uh, a lot of places will provide um you know some some adult beverages at the end of the day or, or whatever as a thanks for doing that. So it's not like you're going out there and doing thankless work. Right. Uh, the interesting thing, I think, for both of us that we learned was that for MotoGP, at least, because uh, I also talked to another gentleman. I wasn't able to get an interview with him, but he was definitely coming from, from across the pond. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, so MotoGP pays for your plane ticket and your hotel. And then we learned from Ryan that, no, they don't. So that's kind of crazy. That's yep. That was surprising that you do front, you get a discounted rate, but you front some costs doing it. Yep. Uh, so I guess huge thanks to any corner workers that are out there doing that. Absolutely. I'm going to try and, uh, again, look into it, probably more for car events than motorcycle, but you could say that motorsports in general are dying, I think, so it doesn't hurt. Uh, and if that's something you're considering, the, the man from across the pond said that all he did was Google MotoGP corner worker. Uh, he said there was an interview process. Obviously, some he sent out a small application and do some interviews and or email back and forth, and then you do an interview or two, and then you start your training. And I think the interview or interview with Ryan kind of covered the rest of all of that. So another thing we got to do, we mentioned, but at at a MotoGP event or at Coda, I should say, uh, it's a large facility. Uh, they try to keep everybody entertained in between the rounds. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a small amusement park. At Coda, yeah, uh, kids rides generally, but Ferris wheels and little roller coasters and and things like that. But you also have you know food stands. Different years have different things. 
as far as live music. There was live yeah. music all day on Sunday. Mm -hmm. And most of the day Saturday, I think, was live. Yeah. Friday was the one that there was just music over the speakers, but I think Saturday was like in a in a park in an outdoor concert setting. A lot of different things you can do like that. Along with that, uh, there are some people that come and try to sling their wares. Mm -hmm. uh, you had the opportunity to talk to quite a few of those. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of first of all, I want to bring us back to to Harley Davidson real quick, and not just Harley, Indian also. Any local motorcycle dealers, get out there, find your local motorsports events, Moto America, Moto GP. Even some of your smaller racing events, get out there and show up because you'll gain customers, you'll earn money, and you're helping grow the sport by showing your support, right? Because uh, I can tell you as a motorcycle buyer, I'm 100% more likely to go to your dealership if I see you at a racing event than I'm at. Because I'm going to say, wow, these guys care. They're putting in money. They're here doing something. They care. And nothing else, it's advertisement everyone knows that that's what a sponsorship is is advertisement get your right. name on the billboard get your name on the on the pamphlet right something and that's advertisement not everybody in the stands is there to buy a bike true but i guarantee they can sell t-shirts and yeah harley davidson's been accused of being a t-shirt company more than once yeah so keep it true <laughs> <laughs> your team <laughs> So I had the great opportunity while we were there. We stopped by the Ride Smart booth, mm -hmm. and there were a couple interesting contraptions. Then we were talking to Josh, Josh Bittinger, and he's the man that invented both of those, or at least that built them, right? So right. literally built those in his garage. Uh, so you had a bigger and a smaller, and I'm not even sure. I don't remember what he called them. I don't remember. I don't know what to call them exactly, but essentially a stand. You put your motorcycle on or in. There's hydraulics run by a battery that tilt the motorcycle back and forth. I did an interview with Josh, and we'll play that in a minute, but what was cool to me and what he kind of explains in this interview is it's a, a new way of training that takes all the risk away. Right. Uh, now, obviously, there's no replacement for being on a motorcycle on the track, and we mentioned that in the interview. The physics, the G-force required, the speed, the actual feeling and responsiveness you're never going to get that exactly, but you can 100% get a lot of the key points in a much safer environment. And I think that's what Josh and Ride Smart together are trying to do. Um, so shout out to them for doing that. Let's go ahead and roll that interview. Why other people should come out and try it, I guess. Okay, cool. Um, so <clears throat> this is a piece of equipment I built in my garage because I got started late in life in motorcycling. Mm -hmm. And uh, these guys found out about it at RiceMart, and I had been at school, and they said, bring it out. So we started using it to teach other students. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's a trainer, and I control it, and it's a controlled environment so that I can show you basic body position, how to open your vision. That's some of the key things here in a safe environment instead of out on the racetrack. Right. Um, I actually destroyed my right shoulder out here when I was going to find stuff on the track, and I wish I would have had a piece of equipment. I also train on the minis. We have uh, some TTL 125 and other stuff, um, other small bikes, but we, we, we use these pieces of equipment, including that one over there. That's a brake trainer. I don't think okay. you see that. Gotcha. Uh, we yep. practice our initial brake application. A lot of guys just grab the brakes. Right. We, we practice skills like that here before we go try it out there. Okay. Awesome. So, um, yeah, RideSmart has me as uh, what we call supplemental uh, curriculum. So you didn't start with RideSmart. You just started in your garage? 
I went to one track day in Virginia, okay. and uh, I loved it. But it was like November; it was cold. So I got on the air. I was like, "Where else can I go try this track stuff?" And um, you know, two weeks later, I went to right here to Coda. I rode level one with Rats Martin. I was terrible. I was crossed up and everything else. Right, right. I went through their whole program, level one, two, three. Um, they brought me up at a nice pace. They're, I love them because they're like. They pull you just enough. They don't got you and push you where you're unsafe, right. but they pull you so you progress at a good rate. So I went all the way through them, and then I met a lot of racers down here, so I started racing, and, and I just keep building. The first one was just like a TV to stand, and then I built that one. This one we built this year because that's too heavy to take everywhere. So this one we can just roll in and out, take away classrooms and everything else, really simple. And they're both universal. You can fit about any bike on them, so you can put your own. Yeah. Right, so I can pull my own bike up here. You can put your own bike on it. Okay. And what, what I'm really excited about, these are just trainers that control i'm building a new version right now that you control you put your bike on it i've got sensors that go on the throttle on the brakes on the shifter and we're pairing it up with the oculus we've got the vr goggles and okay. i've gone around all these tracks and i have 360 video of, of all the tracks and we everything from a basic line to defensive lines and whether you're an experienced guy or whatever you can learn something from those from those videos but once i get them paired together where you can get on the machine on your bike Right. You can lean it and control it. Right. Obviously, we can't recreate like all the physics of the yeah. yeah. But we can still practice like um, the VR stuff. Like I, I couldn't figure out this one track, Crescent. Coming up out of the hill, you're supposed to look for a telephone pole. I was out there all day riding, and I never saw it. I never find so finally, it. I took a video, and I paused it in that corner. I looked around, and there it is. And now I see that reference marker every time. So okay. I, I, the VR stuff has helped me get a lot faster, so I'm trying to pair it together. Once we can practice, and it actually makes you look, you know, feel the vision. Right. If you're watching a YouTube video, you're just staring at the screen. Yeah, you're not kind of memorizing the track. When you're in the VR, you've got to, like, look over here. And you, you, you said you use the 360s to actually get all that? Yeah, I got a okay. GoPro Max. And, what, uh, what tracks are you available at? Right here, Coda. Mm -hmm. um, all the routes and more events. So that'll be uh, Crescent, okay. uh, Motorsport Ranch Crescent. Um, we are going to G2 this year and then Motorsport Ranch Houston. Okay. Um, I'm a member down there and I also do private coaching down there. So, okay. um, yeah, if somebody you know, wants the private instruction coming, we do like a camp. Like we'll do in the morning mini, mini bikes in the, on the skate pad. When the track opens, we'll go on track for 30 minutes and off all day long. Okay. Sweet, right sweet. And then just to finish up, someone mentioned what, a, what type of angle can you get on this? <laughs> Everybody asks that. Um, I designed it to go down to 65, 65 but I put a limit on it because people, it, it doesn't, the physics, you don't learn anything. You actually you got to have the G-force with you. you got to yeah, have the G-force with so. But it's cool for kids to get down. Like an event like this, it's great because we get people interested in motorcycles. Right, which is our, um, the end goal. Yeah, so exactly. I, I'll just go ahead and finish off by saying like, that's, that's our goal with our podcast, which is simply like, we're very average motorcycle riders. We get on the track here and there, but we're nothing top level. We're trying to let everyone else know that that's okay. That is that's a, all yeah. you can do. So, well, big reason we moved down here and tried to do this is I think motorcycling is bad to some degree. We're trying to rejuvenate the sport. Right. I'm trying to get more guys off the street onto the track, train in a safe environment. Um, my, my girlfriend, she does an all girls group in uh, Virginia, okay. in Maryland. Is that at VIR? Um, they'll come or? to VIR. They go to Summit Point. It's a group called Ruts to Race Lines out of uh, Maryland. Ruts to Race. Ruts okay. to Race Lines. They do uh, off road stuff and on track stuff. Okay. Awesome. And it's like non intimidating. Gets girls on the track in a non intimidating environment. Right. So we're trying to get more girls involved down. Here do something similar awesome yeah man. all right well thanks for your time dude thank you so much hey josh thanks for the interview that was really interesting it was good i think we're both super excited you were willing to do that excited to talk to you again yeah hopefully here in the future i will put a link in the description to bettingermotorsports.com and then also ride smart for anyone that was watching that's interested uh, what these guys are doing down here in the texas and southeast u.s area is awesome as and that goes for any track day group 
But these guys are specifically focused on school and on teaching. And I think the way that they're doing it is awesome. The fact that Josh has taken taking that motorcycle training to the next level, right. right? Using a 360 cam and a VR headset and this contraption that he built in order to get that training. As he mentioned in the interview, you know, just like the fact of looking up off the bike and seeing your braking zone or seeing your turn in spot or whatever it might be. Um, and using the technology that's out there to bring that to us right. is awesome. So let me add that while you were doing that interview, and mm -hmm. I, was, I was hovering, <laughs> one of the things any new track rider, I think, unless you're just a crazy, naturally talent, talented maniac. Yeah, or insane. <laughs> I think you'll, you'll hear people say a lot that, you know, you'll get those first pictures. Mm -hmm. Somebody taking pictures, a lot of tracks provide pictures, you know, or the option to buy pictures. You'll, you'll think you were just hanging off that bike and we have, we've all said it and everybody, you hear this everywhere, but when you see your picture, you're what they call crossed up. Um, yeah. And what crossed up is a quick explanation. What crossed up is, is you feel like you're supposed to be leaning. Mm -hmm. You think you're hanging off the bike, looking through the corner. But in fact, when you get the picture, you're trying not to fall off your body's naturally. Yeah. I hope I'm making sense, but. Your, your body's trying to naturally not fall off the bike. So even though you think you're leaning and you're looking, your body's actually sitting up. Yeah. Well, so, just to bring that in real quick, there's a natural lean point. And this is, I've done a little bit of research on this. Feel free to go do your own. But there's a natural leaning point where your body is comfortable and then where your body is no longer It thinks it's going to crash. Yeah, it thinks it's going to crash. And that is one of the hardest things to get over for like scientifically proven, one of the hardest things to get over for a new motorcycle rider, and especially a guy going up the track and trying to trying to push himself to the new limits, is getting past that. And I want to say forty degrees. Yeah. I'll let me sweep that under. I'll get you that actual number <laughs> next week. Sorry there's to sweep lot, so much there's stuff. A lot of but, sweeping. But um, to tie this back in, yeah. to tie this back into what Josh was saying. So as I was watching you do that interview, a kid. I don't know. He was 11 years old. He was 12 years old. To be honest, he wasn't very coordinated. Probably never played a stick and ball sport in his life, <laughs> right? And his parents brought him in there, and they picked him up, and they set him on the motorcycle. And it was leaned at about 40 or, or whatever. Yeah. And one of Josh's colleagues were, were up there explaining to him, and they were telling him he wanted to get a picture. He wanted to get a picture for his, with his parents were out there with the camera. So the bike's leaned over, and he's crossed up so bad. Mm -hmm. He's like trying to hang off and uh, it looked terrible. And the the guy, Josh's colleague, was telling him, you know, you got to lean this. He explained it to him like three times and the kid's just got a big grin on his face and he won't he won't do it. He's uh, like trying not to fall off. And that guy literally reached up, grabbed him and said like this. And he grabbed his shoulder and he just kind of pulled him down, pushed his leg off. And next thing I know, he's like full moto GP pose. Mm -hmm. And I was like there was a click and I went, yeah, I mean, that, that, that would useful. be good because I almost fell off my bike more than once in the garage <laughs> on the paddock stands trying to get any actual. Yeah. And that's with it straight up and down. Yeah. 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 So, so I, I can see where it worked for a training tool. Yep. Absolutely. I can. Yep. Well, and I think just building the, uh, the muscle memory also, I mean, I've talked about it. I think you've talked about it, but when you're going into a, into a right hand or that throttle hand, is super, you know, because you're on a throttle like this, and then you go into your right hand turn, and you get this kink 
and it's it's hard to recreate because your your arm doesn't want to do it, but you have to kind of reach over and ice cream cone. Yep. The the old ice the cream throttle, cone. and that's something that I would love to practice on a simulator like that. Is the muscle memory of every time I lean right, reaching right. over and an ice cream cone in that throttle, because I think that that would being able to do it just like okay left right right and building that muscle memory like that on my bike in that simulator would be amazing. Right. So shout out to Josh, shout out to Ride Smart, what you guys are doing. Uh, if you're in this area or traveling to this area, and if you like to travel and go to tracks, we know some guys that do that. Um, absolutely check them out. Go to one of their events and hit them up. And thanks again, Josh, for that interview. Traveling back tomorrow? Yep. Uh, you're driving through. I have a correction from last week. Okay. For those of you in the European Union that don't listen to this podcast, <laughs> I, unlike my friend here, understand that you don't need a passport to travel from country to country. So Sorry, I thought that was there's a correction for last week. thought that was what the whole point of a passport was. But <laughs> not in the EU. <laughs> All right. So I'll be flying home shortly. Yeah. It feels really shortly. And uh, they'll be driving across this great country again. Yep. Uh, today is Sunday. We should have this episode out by Wednesday. Um, and then I think next weekend, we've got a decent amount to look forward to. Yeah. I'll go ahead and uh, just put that out there. I'm going to Atlanta Motorsports Park for a track day on Saturday. And then I'll be at Road Atlanta for the Moto America race on Sunday. So um, be able to come back and talk about that next week and just give you guys the lowdown on, on both of those. And you, uh, having never been to either of those tracks, right? No, yeah. and I'm, I'm excited because I got to see if it's worth the trip. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, looking forward to that, getting that out there. And then uh, I, I just want to mention it. So it's, you know, we've told a couple of people, we've said it to ourselves, but I want to put it out there for the world. We are planning on coming back and riding Dakota. Hopefully, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. So uh, that's I know that's way far off. Just you know, sweep that under your own rug, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get back to it. Yeah, if you had nothing else, no, I think we're good. That'll wrap us up for today. So yeah, hit up you know like, subscribe to the channel, pass it on to your friends, throw us a comment down below on uh, anything else you'd like to hear about or anything you'd like us to specialize in, and and we uh, we appreciate get, appreciate you guys coming out and listening. Yeah, if you got some sunburn cream or something like that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, feel free any, to send it in. Yeah, any suggestions? <laughs> uh, if you're All going right. to a motorcycle event, any of them, be ready for some sun. So, <laughs> anyway, All right. Thank you.